everybody, you are very welcome to a special edition of Sundays at the Irish NFL show. We are coming to you live this morning based on the fact that we've had a super wildcard weekend, amazing start. Um, as always, I am Christina Quigley and I'm joined with Colm Cronin. We all know him. If you don't know Colm, where have you been for the last few years? Um, if you don't know he's from Cork or he's a Broncos fan, there's definitely something wrong with you. But we are here this morning to talk to you all about the games last night. Oh my goodness, we were blessed with some Whopper games. Tales of two halves, which we're going to get into very, very soon. But before that, we are going to announce again that we are doing a live show on Friday the 27th of January, 7.30, with our amazing friends in Captain America's and Grafton Street. Tickets are still available. There is limited tickets left. So if you do want to get a ticket, please jump on it today. We will share the link later on again today. If you haven't missed it, it is in our pink tweets. And we look forward to seeing you in a week and a half's time. Colm, wow. Just wow. Last night was immense. You know what? The first half of both games, very one-sided. But the second half just became electric. Um, I stayed up and covered the Jags game for us last night. And I was blown away. Thank goodness I had that coffee at 11 o'clock. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the... What you saw from the Jags was incredible. Uh, the third um, biggest comeback in playoff history. Um, obviously, Frank Wright led Bills are the the ones who um, you know they they set they set the record, which the Vikings then went and uh, beat earlier this year. Uh, and the Andrew Luck led Colts against the Chiefs a few years ago, and now the Trevor Lawrence led Jags against the Chargers, and. Yeah, for so long, Christina, it you know, in that first half, everything that could possibly go wrong for the Jags did. And in terms of Trevor Lawrence, Staley actually did a good job very early on in terms of disguising his looks. And that's an area where Trevor Lawrence has struggled. And he did struggle early on. And obviously then, um, you know, even on special teams, things were going wrong for them. But to, to me, like, talk about the, the mark of, or the hallmark of an outstanding QB. He didn't allow it to affect it. You know, it would have been really easy. Your first ever playoff um, game and you go and you throw four interceptions. Um, it'd be so easy to let your head drop and to think um, we, you know, this is it. It's not our it's not our night, et cetera, et cetera. And what was so impressive as well was the fact that the leadership he showed, the, the ownership he took of the situation so that he went to the sidelines. You could see him saying, it's on me. But you could also see him geeing up his uh, teammates, getting them ready to go again. And I thought that was incredibly impressive. The other thing that, that stood out to, to me in terms of, well, WP, I think he's a fantastic head coach. What he's been able to do in turning that franchise around. But the identity, like Dougie's a risk taker. And has always been a risk taker and will always be a risk taker. But you know what he is in comparison, like Brennan Staley, sometimes he takes risks and other times, like then when they're in the opposition half, he's punting the ball. So I'm like, you're prepared to take a risk, right? In your own half, but then you won't take it in the opposition half. I That, that to me is a part where, uh, you know, like, look, plenty of head coaches fail first time around um and you know could go out there we don't we don't know i think there will be a lot of pressure on uh staley now um but ultimately to me this is about the jags this is about the way in which they transformed the performance and 
very often on the show we talk about I certainly do this uh, football being a game of like demolition derby meets chess and this game to me epitomized that because when people say well how can it be like chess you saw it the it's it's how do you respond so the Chargers worked out with a game plan it was really effective initially but the um the Jags and Trevor Lawrence responded to that. They came up with their own schemes, their own ways to um, react to what the Chargers were doing. And they, in turn, um, were really, really um, obviously good about that. Was it a perfect performance even in the second half? No. But did they go and, and get the job done? And can the... Yeah, I, I would agree. It's absolutely the Dougie effect. I mean, this team, I've said it before, this team were a dumpster fire last year and they now have a real identity and the players believe in him and they believe in uh trevor lawrence and yeah for for long-suffering jags uh fans uh I, i'm delighted for you i suppose watching it live like the ebb and flow what was that like my gosh wow it was do you know what the first half was so one-sided i actually found myself struggling um and twitter was alive so it was great um and what I really found was, you know, I actually sat there with the Steelers fan and we were saying, you know, he said to me, like, will this have a huge effect on Trevor Lawrence during the whole game? You know, it's very easy to become bogged down. He came back and he said three out of them, four interceptions were on his own. Oh, my God. Halftime show. You know, I put up that tweet about SpongeBob and it was like something electrified everybody across the social media sphere and the Jags. Look at Doug Peterson. We all know how great he is. We've seen him with the Eagles and what he's done. I think what's really interesting is he pulled a Philly special. Not many people noticed it at that particular point in time towards the end of that game. He pulled a Philly special but called it the Duval and he was at the tee line and it just worked. Now, it wasn't as clean as what the Philly special worked in for the Eagles during the Super Bowl, but it really was electrifying to see and you can see that actually um dennis also said that you know that peterson always took the risks and won with the eagles in the super bowl so thank you so much dennis for leaving your comments with us this morning i think the one thing to notice the chargers really went all out in the first half i questioned actually at halftime if the chargers were actually going to remove the starters from the actual you know the game itself kind of felt like it did you know they just really came out feeling like they were playing that losing game we all touched on it on thursday you know, first of all, it was a missed field goal. You should have seen my face when that happened. I was going, oh my God, my mystic leg ball is working well. Um, and then obviously it was the turnover. Um, just that like they didn't want to win the contest. I think they felt the job was done. And obviously the offense wasn't great either. Justin Herbert only threw 134 yards with zero touchdowns in the second half. Completely different story to what we've seen before. And Eckler, what happened to him? It was like he fell off the face of the earth. Really and truly, you know, the Jags really did dominate. But we've seen this from the Jags team this season. We've seen it on five or six occasions where they've gone and they've been losing games and they've just been able to revive themselves. I really don't think this is going to be able to happen when they go further in the playoffs. So I think they need to start getting their ducks in their row. But I do think that the defense has a lot to answer or the offense has a lot to answer for for the start. The defense of the Chargers at the start. Wow. Them guys had smelling salts before they went out for sure yesterday. Yeah, I mean, what was interesting was the Chargers' absolute inability to move the ball on the ground. Like early on, Austin Eckler obviously got in um, for the the touchdowns, but Austin Eckler had 13 carries for 35 yards. He averaged 2.7. 
Uh, overall, um, I think the the Chargers averaged two point nine on the ground. That's that's an issue. Um, it's an issue in a number of ways because it, you know teams know what you're going to to do, and it don't, you can't eat the clock. If you can't move the ball on the ground, you can't eat up the clock. And even when you have a double digit lead, you want to burn the clock. The longer you leave on, the the more opportunities that exist for your opponent to, to come back. And that was a real issue. They they lived last night essentially on um, Justin Herbert and his ability on third down, his elusiveness at times. Uh, I think he, I think they were 8 of 17 on third down, which is, isn't is bad. I mean, the, you know, because in a, in a playoff game and down weapons, I talked about it consistently to me, they just don't have enough weapons um, around Justin Herbert. I think he is a phenomenal QB. Consider that eight of eight of seventeen on third down, they win the turnover battle by a plus five margin, and they still don't win the game. My goodness, that is kind of a, a damning uh, testament, and and what that speaks to for for me is, um, you know the the, the like it's not people will point to the Mike Williams thing. It runs deeper than that. They did not put enough weapons around um, Herbert and they just can't run the, the football effectively enough in order, especially when it comes to, to the playoffs. You're right. You're 100% right. And I do think that that's something that, you know, we can see Dougie P is really trying to work on and be able to bring a pretty body to life. But I do want to touch on the fact um, that how amazing Travis Etienne played last night. He was on fire and you can really see Justin Sorry, that Trevor Lawrence really relies on him 110%. His 25-yard rush um, on the fourth and one, which obviously set up the game-winning field goal, that actually was the longest gain in fourth and one in a playoff game since 2010. And that was the Ravens who had a 25-yard fourth and one rush against the Chiefs. That is crazy. And he just was electrifying. When he got that ball, he was able to drive. I think the one thing about the Jags is at the start when they came out from that second, for the second half, the tempo really wasn't there, but you could see that they were building and they were just buying time, moving up, taking the yards. And then all of a sudden it just went boom and you could hear it across the stadium. That stadium was alive. It, like I said, it was a tale of two halves. And if they don't start getting prepped for next week, I can't see them advancing any further in the playoffs. Not that I can anyway, they didn't predict them to go any further. But, you know, it's it, it's just they need to really focus now, gather together, relook at everything and move on next week stronger and better. Yeah, I think that that's a very fair point. They can't put themselves on the hole, in, in a, a hole in the way that they have, right? Because you go back and you've mentioned it, Christina, this has been a kind of a season-long issue. And it's the mark of a good team to be able to, to come back and come back repeatedly. But how... How frequently can they continue to do that? Um, and something I saw earlier was week nine, they were down 17 nothing to the Raiders. They came back to win. Week 12, they were down by nine, uh, nine points, 19-10 to the Ravens, and they won. Week 15, they were down by uh, 17 points to the Cowboys. I don't think Fred Flunk will appreciate this, but they came back to win. Week 18, they were down 10 nothing to the Titans, and they won. And obviously last night down twenty seven nothing to the Chargers and they managed to go on and get the the win. Yeah, it, it is uh, to me it's the mark of a team that truly believes that they are never out of it, and that that is a great sign, right? Because that ability to consistently come back 
uh, it is the mark of a, a team uh, that really, really believes in itself and believes in its leaders. But, you know, it is going to be very difficult to repeatedly do that. Yes, the Bengals uh, got away with it against the, the Chiefs last year. Um, but good teams will generally put it away, especially if it's a team that can run the, the ball effectively and therefore it allows them to actually, um, you know, take some time off the, the clock. So um, it, I, I'm delighted for, for the Jags fans. And uh, I think it will be uh, fascinating to, to see, you know, what happens, obviously, tonight's games and, and who they end up playing. Absolutely, 100% agree. But I can tell you that George Kittle knows that he's going to be playing next Saturday because we all seen it at the end of the game last night. And we're going to move on to judge about the Seattle and the 49ers. He did say, I'll see you next Saturday. This was another game of two halves. It was really poor from the defense in the first half. It was electrified. It was pretty much tit for tat. But wow. Again, Pete Carroll, I don't know what was said in the locker room, but everyone came out and it was a different team that we've seen in the second half. And Kyle Shanahan's team absolutely dominated again. Um, it's interesting to see this 49ers team grow and how it's been able to move the ball, but also how it's grown around Brock Purdy. Um, Colin, how did you find this game last night? Yeah, this one was interesting because the 49ers, I felt, got off to a, a really slow start. Brock Purdy, you could see the nerves were there. He was forcing things. He was move, moving it too quickly. He was off target. And to me, what really made, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's kind of genius kept them in that. Um, his play calling is just simply phenomenal and his ability to call plays and, and act as head coach again, is, is a testament to, to his leadership. To to me, you know, this was Pete Carroll at his wily best. And I talked about it on the show that I did expect the, the Seahawks to put up a, a battle. And, and they did. They, they played, you know, um, really well for, for a long time. And they really frustrated the 49ers. And you could see that in some of the mistakes 49ers made and some of the, the penalties. And I think Ward's penalty right at the end of the first half, which gave the um, the Seahawks an easy three points. I mean, that was born of frustration. He'd been burned by DK Metcalf on the long touchdown. Um, and then he did that. And uh, I tweeted, uh, you could, Pam Oliver caught herself. But I think you could hear the, even in her voice, the frustration um, that Kyle Shanahan had and that you could see it on the sideline. I imagined his players heard about it. But the turning point, Christina, for me on this one was the Debo Samuel. And in terms of that third down catch and the leg twist. Uh, Abrams, uh, my goodness, I saw him do it plenty of times with the um, with the Raiders. And he has rocked up to Seattle. I think that was a huge turning point because what that did was um, it woke up the crowd, but the 49ers have been pretty flat. The, I've talked about them being the bullies of the league on the show. They take your lunch money, um, but they weren't able to do that in the, the first half at all. The, the Seahawks matched them and very often out-muscled them uh, in terms of the physicality, and the 49ers were a little flat. All of a sudden, that happened, and it was like, 
they woke up the the giant, right? They they were obviously very annoyed by what had happened. And I think that's, um, you know, Debo is obviously super popular. I remember last year, the videos of him leaving out the, the team with the giant boom box. Uh, this is a guy who's um, had a few injuries this year. And I just think the entirety of the roster were really, really annoyed by it. Saw a few kind of wry smiles from some of the Seahawks players when it happened. I don't think the 49ers would, uh, wouldn't, that wouldn't have got unnoticed amongst the 49ers, but it, the crowd noise all of a sudden, right? The, the Seahawks who'd been so efficient um, and not giving away, especially on offense, any penalties. All of a sudden, the, the wheels came off almost immediately after that. There were false starts. There were um, men down field. You just saw it time and time and time again. And the crowd made a real difference. And that, to me, all came about off that Tebow play. And, and you know, the, you saw George Kittle after that loving. I mean, this is a man who loves the physicality anyway, but particularly kind of took that as a challenge. You saw Nick Bosa. So I, I think that the Seahawks overplayed their hand a little bit and the 49ers came to, to life. I think the Seahawks will look back on, on a season where most of us, me included, didn't give them uh, a prayer and they made it to the wildcard round. Um, so Geno Smith afterwards, guy who had a fantastic, fantastic season, but you could hear the emotion in his voice. It would be interesting to see how that works out. And for the 49ers, the machine moves on and um, anyone who faces them next week, whoever they end up facing, is not going to enjoy the experience. Now that Brock Purdy has some playoff experience under his belt. You're right 100%. And I love the way you touched on the fact that they're bullies because your voice was in my head last night as I was watching this. I wasn't doing Twitter for us at that point. That was actually Brian, but I actually could feel it. You could see it. The first half they were lagging. It was like someone hadn't taken their lunch money yet. And then all of a sudden they exploded. What's interesting though is that, you know, the 49ers spent all week, you know, hearing that, um, that you can't win three games in a row against the same team. You know, and they just really didn't show that emotion at the start. I think they felt that they were coming out. They were going to be able to do this. I don't think they were ready for what Pete Carroll's team had for them. And I think that's really interesting because we touched on that on Thursday night. We said that, you know, Pete Carroll would be trying to play some quick plays. He'd be looking at trying to the defense would be looking at trying to lock them down. We could see it within the first few minutes. But you're right. It all came down. The types of cards came tumbling down for Pete Carroll. And we've seen his face on the sideline. He genuinely was shocked. Geno Smith did come out after the game in a press conference late last night and said that he does hope to be there next year. And he is hoping that they're going to continue on with that contract. But it's interesting. You know, over the last few days, we've seen that the 49ers are possibly now being linked with TB12. I personally don't think that TB12 is needed in 49ers. I'm just saying, I don't think they need to invest in a veteran QB they already have one they have Brock Purdy the own and you know again the Steelers fan noted to me he's like well of course you're going to want to bring in a guy though who has Super Bowl experience who helps you know train and immerse the whole team in that experience because right now we're seeing this team that could win a Super Bowl but just don't have that proper Super Bowl leadership to be able to do it and bring it to the next level do I think Tom Brady is that type of person anymore not necessarily and I'm a huge TB12 fan, but I do think, you know, his time in the league is coming to an end. I do think that himself and Rogers, it's pretty much a, co a coin flip on who's going to go first or a rock, paper, scissors, because it's the only way one of them is going to go. 
And I think the one thing that we've seen as well last night is that the San Francisco 49ers defense really came up with big plays after big plays the whole season long, not just last night, all season long. And last night was definitely no difference. You know, the Seahawks lost their record lead. It really drove the inside line at the 20 yard line for the 49ers. And that's where they just exploded last night. Yeah, they they did in in, in the second half. Like I, I thought what you saw early on um, and, and even early in, in the second half was the Seahawks kind of offense creating chaos a little bit until it, it suddenly all stopped. But I, I think back to ways in which like Fred Warner is a phenomenal player, but they, they kind of, um, I guess, teased him into biting. He came down early and all of a sudden they dropped it in behind him. As a result, he dropped further back and next thing they were putting it in front of him in order to, to get yards. So they did a really nice job at, at times uh, at, at kind of creating that chaos. And we've talked about Ward and the fact that, you know, he was burned repeatedly. Um, but ultimately, yeah, they got it together. Um, you can see the relationship as well they have with Demeco Ryan's on the, the sidelines. Um, no wonder, you know, he is being talked about so strongly as a head coaching candidate around the, the league. Um, but like Christian McCaffrey, you know, it was outstanding. Like what a what a performance, what a trade for, for them. And ultimately, if the 49ers are to um, prevail this year, that will be looked back on as, you know, a, an absolutely incredible bit of business uh, by Lynch to to get him in there because again the variety I think more than ever before Christina what is really important in this league is variety the 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 ability to confuse uh, and so that defenses don't know what you're going to do so Christian McCaffrey can act as a pass catcher obviously a fantastic uh, runner Debo a little bit similar um but and and both of them are incredibly physical. Um, George Kittle the same, Yanis like the, the fullback, like the physicality that the 49ers bring. Um, but I do think, yeah, they were caught a little bit on the hop early on, but they rallied, they got the, the job done. And if if they are to go to the championship game, and if it was to be them and the Eagles, if Lane Johnson and Jalen Hurts are fit, that could be an absolute classic of an NFC championship game. have to unmute myself because I'm literally just going wow you're gone that far towards the Eagles going to the playoffs really um look that I think it will be interesting if Jalen Hurts does come back and he's going to be free up ready for this game absolutely 100% I think the 49ers the only way that they're going to be able to get towards the playoffs is bullying themselves for sure and really defensively being those big boys that have just been immense do I think they're going to be able to take on the Eagles in a strong position absolutely 100% do I think they're going to be able to obliterate the Eagles? I don't know. I really don't know because we're seeing, you know, the Eagles is a different team week on week in a way because they're going through this whole situation with their QB. I just feel that sometimes their defense is letting them down in, in small little plays. And I do, I just find it really hard to call right now. And I did do my Super Bowl prediction yesterday can't remember who I put on it that's how sleep deprived I feel right now <laughs> but I do know I did it um maybe I put the bangles actually Colin you better get that tracksuit out 
well, if, if anyone get me that, I, I still am looking for that Bengals tracksuit. To me, I suppose, look, the Eagles are one of the teams, though, that could meet the 49ers in terms of physicality. Um, the the Seahawks were able to to do it for a time. I think this the Eagles would be able to, to do it for the entirety of the, the game. That's what would make it so intriguing, you know. But the, the 49ers are the form team. They're the form team for a reason. And it's the, the fact that their head coach... Um, and this is where in the playoffs coaching is so important and I would certainly argue that you know bad coaches don't win uh, Super Bowls uh, but the, he was able to get them over Brock Purdy's nerves yesterday because Purdy was not playing well but Kyle Shannon's genius was able to, to get them there I think two really in, intriguing games in ways. Yeah, I mean, ultimately the 49ers kind of ran away with it in the, the second, but look, the, that late game um, was fantastic. I don't, I, I wonder will we be treated to the same um, this evening given the injuries that the, the Dolphins have, the Ravens have, but this is a league that continues uh, to surprise and uh, I, I think that for one would make it interesting. I am glad that the Vikings Giants game is at half nine. It's at a reasonable time. Um, you know, we can get to, to bed probably just after to midnight. Um, anyone staying up for for the Bengals and, and Ravens, uh, kudos. Like I we talked about it before, if Lamar was fit, I think that would be an, an intriguing game. It's going to be very difficult though. Harbaugh will undoubtedly, you know, want to come up with some schemes to make life very difficult for Joe Burrow, but it is not easy to do that. No, you're right, 100%. And actually, during the week, I was really looking forward to seeing Joe Burrow take on Baltimore 100%. I just think it's going to be quite a one-sided game. There might be a bit of a tit-for-tat situation, but I do think the Bengals will run away with it. Just to remind everybody of the games today, because we do have three games that's coming up, starting off with the Bills and the Dolphins. That is going to be a washout, I'm pretty sure. Um, Colm, I'm not sure if you agree with me on that one. I, I, ju- I just think that the Dolphins are, you know, when you're going with your third string QB, and as as much as I like Mike McDaniel and I admire his um you know his tactical nuance his, his ability to scheme I I think it will be very difficult um they they do not have the roster that the 49ers do they do not have the defense that the 49ers do and they're going up against a Bills team that to me has a little bit of a feel of team of destiny about it. I think they'll be, you know, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout because I think that the they have enough talent and they, in, in Tyree Kill, they have a, a phenomenal wide receiver. Um, but I think ultimately it will be the, the Bills who prevail in that one. That's an interesting, you don't think it's going to be a blowout. I do. I just, I don't think the, the Dolphins are going to turn off. You know, really, they didn't really get through on the best of terms last week. And I could tell you, as a Pats fan and the Steelers fan is in the house, we both are still sore losers on the fact that we didn't get to the playoffs at all. Like, really, really bad that the Dolphins did get there. Um, let's go then to the 9.30 game, which is the Vikings and the Giants coming on. And thank God Brian is not here. Um, although, Colm, I'm not sure if Brian's been spamming you all week, but I've been getting a lot of Giants-related um, messages. And then to wrap it all up at 1am um, tonight, we have the, or tomorrow morning, we have Baltimore and the Bengals. Cullum, 
Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It was immense. We actually haven't had a Sunday morning show in a very, very long time. So we will look at this, obviously, for next season for sure. Join us tomorrow night. We will be coming live tomorrow night at nine o'clock to go through all the games on what's happened. And we'll also be previewing uh, Monday night's game, Tuesday morning's game for us. Um, Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Again, remember, we do have limited tickets available for our show on the 27th of January at 7.30 in Captain America's in Grafton Street. You can get the link on our Twitter page. It's pinned. We'll also put it up later on again today. And hopefully we will see you there. Colin. I'm looking forward to later on already. Yeah, no, um, absolutely enjoy the the games for um for the fans involved. Um, hope uh, it isn't uh, too stressful an experience. And for those of us who follow teams not involved, we can just kind of sit back and uh, watch the the moments of both magic and madness. And yes, look forward to tomorrow night and uh, recapping what what happened. And undoubtedly, there will be. Plenty to talk about. Until tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.